thank you for tuning in to the Right for the Stage podcast again. Um, so this is episode eight, which is really exciting. So today, um, Stephen Hornby usually joins us for these conversation sessions, but he's had a disaster with his PhD, um, which I'm sure is going to be all sorted, you know, easily <laughs> sorted out. But he is going to, you know, but he, but he couldn't be here today because he was having, a, he rang me last night in a hilarious panic. And obviously I was trying my best to be um, reassuring to him, but you know, that, that's quite hard, isn't it? But yeah, but he, so, he, so he, he's, uh, so he, he, he's going to be back with us next time. But what the person we've got with us today is, um, I'm really excited to, um, to have Cathy Crabb um, online with us. And Cathy um, Crabb is one of the Manchester's most prolific um, playwrights who's been writing for, I, I don't know, it's probably close to about 20 years, is it, Cathy? Just, um, just say hello to us, Cathy. Hello. Um, I probably professionally, as in getting paid, I'd say for the last ten years. Right. Brilliant. Oh, so, so you've been kind of commissioned. For 20, yeah. So you've been writing for about twenty, and you've been so you, you but you've been getting you, you've been working more on a commission basis over the last ten years. Would you say? Yeah. Yeah. Brilliant. Okay. So just, yeah. So just tell us a little bit about you, about how about how many maybe how many plays you've written and where your work has been shown. Um, well, now I think I've, I've written 20-odd um, right. plays. Um, and sometimes they'll, they might be little, um, but I'd still call them plays, is that right? Absolutely, yeah. Well, yeah, I mean, so you're talking about short plays or, or whatever? Short, long, um, and musicals, um, yeah. And, and you've... Um, and you've also written for people with disabilities as well, haven't you? Yeah, I've wrote a lot for Proud and Loud. So just tell um, us a little bit about Proud and Loud, because um, they're a really interesting organisation, aren't they? Yeah. Um, I haven't, unfortunately, because at, at the minute, Carl takes a lot of photographs for Proud and Loud. That's right, so, yeah. Because one of us <laughs> needs to be in, uh, family-wise. I don't get to see their stuff as much anymore, oh, but right. I've, I've wrote three full-length plays for them um because you're worthless um fucking hell <laughs> and um i can't remember what the other one's called beyond the fourth right. wall was it beyond the fourth wall yeah yeah, yeah. and um but they're, they're plays that I, i've written with them because uh, they've got amazing and in fact they write their own plays now yeah well, yeah they were Young and um, they've worked with Tom Hogan for years, and you know he's he's a really great director and he's great um, at um, enabling um, actors to be really proactive in the work. Absolutely, yeah, so, yeah. So the, I've done a, a lot of work with them um, around issues, but usually we try and keep our veil down about that, and then just. Yeah, like from a, a, a light, funny way, and sometimes quite. Um, There's been a fair amount of political stuff in there as well, hasn't there? Oh yeah, definitely. Because yeah. I, I mean, they're, 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 they're sorry, go on. They've they've been covering issues like that from since I've ever known them, and they're just quite vocal about those things. Yeah. And they've always been um, wanting to show the 
um, the issues for what they are quite often yeah. with kind yeah. of trying to tick boxes to get um, their um, um, what would you their funding it? or whatever to, to, to get their funds and to yeah, get yeah. their ride. Great. Yeah. Okay. So, um, so, so you've written about twenty plays. So, so, what made what? Why did you start writing? Well, I started writing um, when I'd had my first son, Bobby. Um, first, firstly, it was kind of poetry, um, and I think what happened is it's probably linked to um, post-traumatic stress. Really. Oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Uh, everything became very, very sad, or very, very. Um, the world was either really a really awful place or an amazing place overnight there's right. never anything in between really and i just started writing a lot of poetry at first and then um i went to see um the admissions tutor at manchester met with my poetry and uh i'd already been involved in theater i've always been involved in theater because yeah. you used to work at um, the palace theater was it the palace i've worked at the palace the opera house i worked at london palladium but these are backstage. Yeah. Um, and I've worked on big shows. Um, was it ever, was it yeah, ever really think... tempting to just go go onto the stage and do loads of high kicking? Obviously, maybe when there was no <laughs> audience. But yeah, yeah, we used to do that all the time. Oh god, anyway. I love that. Yeah. Yeah, she used to mess about with everything. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I was really looked after when I when I first went backstage. It was because I couldn't I couldn't uh, bottle up on the the bars. Oh right, okay. Because I couldn't carry things around because I was pregnant. Right. So I worked backstage on Phantom. That was my first job. Oh right. Stage on Phantom. I bet you attempted to a... swing on the big kind of. Um, doesn't he do a kind of? Isn't there a big kind of Tarzan type swing on in the Phantom of the Opera, where he sw swings on well, a chandelier or something? Yeah. Well, at, at the time, I think he does swing around quite a bit. Yeah. Were well, you never but tempted to give it a go? At the time, I was in no mood for oh, swinging about. I suppose if you were pregnant, yeah. yeah. But I was in, I was in um, this dressing room that's quite renowned called Dressing Room Ten. Oh, right. And that's the the swings and the male chorus. Oh, right. Okay. And also some of the uh, male dancers, and um, and sometimes they'd be there'd be swings. For, for the main roles as well oh, but it was just a lovely amazing place to be pregnant I bet yeah because they were also very excited about it and you know it was great it was really good it was a really good mix of people um, and they looked after you and the dresses were great and that's so where that you was... met Jimmy was it? yeah that's when I met Jimmy I don't think Jimmy, Jimmy wasn't working on Phantom Jimmy Jimmy came in on. Oh, did he? he might have done. Yeah. Can't so, so Jimmy Foster just I think for he was the people. Working on the crew then. Oh right, yeah. So Jimmy Foster just yeah, for that's the people. Where I met Carl. Oh right, okay. Well, just for the people at home, um, Jimmy Foster um, was the founding men member of um, of Studio Salford, uh, and Kathy, you were a founding member of Studio Salford as well, weren't you? Um, along yeah. with Julia yeah. um, Nelson, and you know, you know, on all the theatre companies that start that first started there. Um, so t tell me what when and I've known Jimmy for on and off for a long time. I have actually. I met him when I go on. Sorry. When I worked front of house at the palace, he was working backstage, and he says that he had a big party, and I went to it with some of the front of house people, 
and said it was really boring and we all go to the press club, but that's not true. But I'd known him on and off anyway because he knew yeah. my friend Julian. And then when we were on Phantom, he said, I'm going to go and audition to, to um, uh, start a course in Salford because I want to be an actor. Yeah, and he's a great actor as well, isn't he? Yeah, he said he was going to do that and... Yeah, and and did. you know Jimmy's been in all sorts of things, hasn't he? He's been in. I think there's a film oh, that he's yeah. been recently in, isn't it? That that is going to be released fairly soon as well, isn't there? Um, I don't and, know. And he's been on. He's been on Shameless and he's, all sorts of things, in, isn't he? He's always in something. He's always in something. Just switch switch the yeah. telly on, and Jimmy Jimmy will be there. <laughs> so, um, yeah. so, so Kathy, who's your favourite playwright? Um, I don't. I don't really have favourites. I don't okay. think I might have done at one point. Um, I like Beckett. I really like Beckett. Right. I like um, Sheila Delaney. Yeah. Um, of recent, Jackie Hagan's one of my favourites. Right. Okay. Great. So Jack. I really like her. I really like her work. Well, Jackie. She's um, a, Jackie was a poet originally, wasn't she? And then, and then yeah. she, actually, she came to the very first um, right for the stage course, actually, which is quite exciting. And, yeah, and then, she did. I remember. Yeah, and then she's been, and, and that turned into her work that she did with Grey Theatre, didn't it? Yeah, yeah, that's it. And then she's worked to the Royal Exchange. She's worked all over the place. So that's really exciting, isn't it? So, so she's one of. Oh, okay. So, I mean, I, to be honest, I'm a big fan of of new work myself, actually. But um, so you said Beckett. So what is it about Beckett that you like? Because sometimes, um, I mean, I suppose because it can be because um, it's all quite esoteric. Um, back Beckett, isn't yeah, it? Yeah. So yeah. what is it about Beckett that you like? Uh, I like the voices, the use of language. I like his freedom with structure. Um, I'm I'm fond of his really small smaller plays. Um, like what, where, and also I just really like him as a writer. I just, yeah. I just like, I like um, the prose, like touch he has with um, language. Yeah, I really, really like that. Yeah, and David Mamet I've always liked as well. I sort of, I, I think I like more than anything plays that are nothing like mine. Right. That, <laughs> <laughs> that um, in 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 style or form, but that. Um, play around with structure and and can't be um, studied as a template for how you should write. Right, but okay. I just write as it in their own right. I suppose they do with Sheila Delaney. Yeah. Um, but I I also really like working class voices and in, in yeah. So I'm interested in what people are doing to make working class stories. I more suppose on that's an what intellectual scale rather than. Um, Making them look like someone did good yeah. by accident. So I, I suppose that... we do that with Andrea Dunbar, and, and she's a fabulous writer. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That oh, oh, she must have come across it by mistake, and whereas everybody else has studied it, and yeah, you know, still can't be as good. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. I think that, that there's mean? something much more instinctive sometimes about you know, because I mean, the thing you know, you say about um, you know, kind of plays that kind of people that you know kind of have loose structures but i suppose that by by nature of you know people being interested in plays or whatever you know if they study a play that was never maybe intended to be 
um, you know, kind of analysed. You can always find a structure mm-hmm. in there somewhere, can't you? But 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 you're oh, you're, yeah, you're saying that that's not kind of where you you're coming from in terms of where you kind of start a piece. So so what so what I'm, I'm presuming that's what you're saying. So where where do you find your ideas and and what inspires you? I think I find ideas from thinking that something's quite poetic, but also important. And I don't think my work is particularly important, but things that are important to me, that's, that strategy is important. So what type and of things? Looking so at the, what, what type, type of th- things? I think, is, I think high emotions in, in circumstances I'm interested in. I'm interested in tipping points with people right. and when people are out of their, um, what would normally happen or... Yeah, so kind of being um, being kind of a, a duck out of water kind of situation. Well, sort fish of, out like of water, Duck out of water, fish out of water, what am I talking about? Fish out of water. <laughs> right out of, out of um, right on the, the bottom line of, of life and struggling. Right. Sometimes or... Um, I think when I look at when I look at um, the way plays often seem to unfold the story. Yeah. I think I, I like the way working class stories are constantly lifting a veil all the way through. They're a constant realization of what of that, of, of, of... That the way things are, and they draw focus to the way things are. Right. You know, and the way life is, and people are constantly learning in that process learning things so if you say like the doll's house has everything hidden yeah and then one massive big thing happens and that is the first time she's noticed oh what's okay right. yeah, yeah. person whereas i find in in the working class stories they're constantly talking about finding those things each and every day because once you grow up and you you come out of uh, school you realise and you're trying to fit into a framework mm. that didn't expect you to be there um, or okay, doesn't care yeah. for you or, or care. And that there's a constant realisation and there's a constant argument and struggling with how life actually is, coming to terms with what you can do about it or whether you can toe the line. And I find that in every, every kind of story. So do you, do you think that that's... In that. Do you think that's the kind of underlying theme of a lot of your work? Mm. Um, maybe. I don't think I, I have a... I, in, in my own work, I don't have... I, that I'm not writing for a particular reason or story. Yeah. I think that the themes in my work are how emotions turn very quickly. And right. how, yeah. how situations aren't um, supposed to be amusing, but they are. <laughs> um, yeah. And, uh, and think it, the themes would probably be, um, probably, I don't know, quite loose, but maybe frustrations. Yeah. Frustrations and um, ways that a character's trying to explain themselves and get things across. So you said earlier on that, that, that a lot of your that you said earlier on that a lot of your stuff these days is commissioned. So does that change how you write? Does that kind of mean that you write other people's stories 
over your own, or did, did, is it? I mean, or, or is that just, or do you do you still get that um, kind of creative freedom to write whatever you want you want to write, but you're but you've got certain other considerations in in mind. If if I'm working through archival documents, which I've done quite a lot, and, yeah. and in a really collaborative sense with a, a lot of writers, say if it's young writers or maybe um, collaborating, um, it's important for your own themes to take a back step then, because you don't, or your own way of writing, because you don't really know what your writing is like, do you? You can't, you can't put a finger on how you write. Yeah. But in those circumstances, I think you should really be taking a back seat anyway and seeing what stories can unfold that you fit into, that you fit in with. So is that when you're writing for like specific groups? Because you write a lot for Manchester, for the Arden, don't you? And 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 for Manchester University. Do you... Well, I wrote I wrote for Arden, and the, I'm I'm not writing for Manchester. I'm sort of facilitating them with master classes. Oh, That's great! Okay. A bit different, but in. Um, Say if I'm, I've I've wrote with Poonam Ramchand, I've wrote with Lindsay Williams, and yeah. when I work together with those other writers, it's it's more important to find a common ground of a story that you're both happy with, yeah. that you can both write within, and then now any of those voices shouldn't stand out as as the voice. So, so you're finding a way that you make one person really one writer. Yeah. Unless you're going to split it up in, you write all the songs, I'll write all the scenes. If you were going to do something like that, then then that's uh, a different thing. But when you when you write together, it's not. I don't think it's important to try and have your voice heard more. You all um, try and serve the story. So it's more of a team kind of effort than than yeah. you, you kind of battling for your your say or whatever yeah or your best jokes are on your own way yeah it's not about your own way then is it it's about you coming together and working on the story yeah and that's the best thing about collaboration i've really enjoyed those collaborations so you, you've had working so, on a common theme yeah to get a story out and i suppose and, everyone brings something yeah, different to like it that. as well don't they yeah you kind of all have ideas don't you and yeah. some fit and some don't yeah, so um, so, so you had a piece on Oldham Coliseum a couple of years ago, didn't you? The musical, wasn't it? Just tell us a little bit, a bit about Lindsay. that. With Lindsay Williams, the isn't first, it? Yeah. The first one we did was Dreamers, and we worked with um, uh, an amazing MD, um, and she was just fantastic. So we worked um, on Dreamers first, and then that was about a nightclub in Oldham. And then we worked on um, Meat Pie Sausage Roll, and that was about um, um, athletics, Oldham Athletic. Oh, right, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, and so they're, they're both really different, but what, what, we, what we came to was uh, what, what would sue either story, you see. So the first story was about a nightclub so we decided that what we do is we take the songs that we really like because it was a dingy nightclub yeah we loved it <laughs> and we take the kind of songs that really works well um that everybody loved from the nightclub and sometimes we'd write different songs within the melody right um of that song or sometimes we just completely change the lyrics of that song or sometimes we let that song stand on its own yeah um so 
that's how that's how we wrote the first one and it took a couple of years really on and off because yeah. we first started developing it um thinking it was a play and then we'd realized it was going to it would be best served as a musical that's, that's uh, in... and then so what was it that made you think it was a musical? Well, well because it was in a nightclub and we knew oh, we wanted course, right, to yeah. the music, really. And if, if I think dialogue might have got a bit lost, stories might have got a bit lost. So yeah. what we thought would be good as a story was um, a group of girls who were friends and then one terrible thing happens one night and it changes the, the course of their future. Oh, right, okay, a, yeah. yeah. So it's like yeah. the inciting incident. Yeah, well, the, yeah. There's one thing that changes everything at, on the at the end of the first act, and then in the second act, it's twenty years later, and how how different they are then. Oh, right. So the kind of repercussions of yeah. that original event or whatever. Yeah. Brilliant. Um, so, so at first, when we wrote it, um, we we thought it was um, just scenes that could take place in the nightclub. Yeah. And then Lindsay had. Works with, as I said, a fantastic MD, um, Carol Donaldson, on a on a mariachi piece for oh, right, wow. JD, um, JB Shorts. Yeah, and um, she said, you know, it would be really great to work with Carol. So then um, we started to we went in for some funding to to play around with uh, the characters and some songs. And we just really enjoyed it. Brilliant. And we did a showing of it. Hang on, Mike, I'm just plugging my phone in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, so we did a rehearsed reading and it went really well. And then um, Kevin Shaw asked us, um, well, we went in and said, you know, well, would you consider this as a production? Then he asked us to write it as a production then, and right. that's how that happened. And then, because that was successful, then we went on to do Meat Pie Sausage Roll. Brilliant. And in that way, Carol took the, we all went to the Oldham March, and Carol took the um, chants, the football chants as a theme. Oh, right, brilliant. And we wrote within that, and then we did a story that we wanted, we knew we wanted to do Yeah. Uh, a bit about racism, but we wanted to, it to hang off the, the football and also there was a big wedding and um an interracial couple and we, we wanted to deal with a lot of things that were important to Oldham. Yeah. In the football. So would you so so going going right back to the beginning, um could you tell us a little bit because we I have got there's some questions that have been sent to me through um you know through Twitter and all that kind of thing to ask um, to, to ask you, so um, I've, I've got. A couple... go on, let me go and get my brew because I've left yeah, it in course, the other yeah. room. Yeah, go for it. I'm good. So um, I was just so I'll just fill a bit of space whilst Kathy's getting her brew. But um, yeah, so there's some we've got we've got a, a couple of questions I'm, from. I'm here now. Okay, brilliant. So I was just I was just filling a bit of space whilst you were getting your brew. Mm -hmm. um, but I was just saying that so we've got some questions from some people um, asking about um, you know specific things to you about about your process so i'll ask you those questions um a little bit yeah. later if that's all right but just to, but just really briefly tell us about your first play the first very first play you wrote um because a lot of the people who listen to this podcast are you know kind of either aspiring um playwrights or really early career playwrights so i think it'd be really useful to hear um how you kind of started really so to, can you tell us about 
you tell us about your first play. Um, what what was it about? Who was in it? And why did you write it? There you go. There's okay, a bunch well, of questions the, there. The first, <laughs> the first thing to know about the first play that I I'd wrote was that I went to university on the back of some poetry that I'd written. Right. And being told I'd come out of school with nothing but an A in English. Oh, okay. And I went in to see the admissions tutor and shown him some poetry and talked about it. And he said, I want to offer you a place. And I was only going asking him how I could go around, go about it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But you better keep up with everybody else. Yeah. Oh, that's, that's so intimidating, I, I, isn't it? <laughs> I tried to keep up with everybody. I did really well anyway. Yeah. But so what was this course? What I was the course? It was um, an English degree at Manchester Met. Right. Okay. Um, and I did, and I, ha- I hit the ground running with it. I didn't know about pasting things. I'd not done essays in that way. Yeah. I, I, my grammar was as all over the place as it still is now. <laughs> and I just was in awe of the things that I found out about literature yeah, and yeah. Uh, about how people wrote in in difficult circumstances and what could possibly be the meaning behind things that you never really learn until you're at university yeah just bouncing around ideas and things like that and then one time in um in the second year i'd 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 been sort of like all over the place so i'd been like i had a baby in uh, Brighton because I had my first son then and I was living nearby to university and only seeing him at the weekend and I was seeing I think three lads at the same time <laughs> and and also trying to adapt to, to being away from Bob and yeah. this that and the other and I was I was kind of like verging on maybe having to go to the YWCA because I couldn't make it work and right. nobody could help me out and I knew Bob was safe at my mum and dad's but it was just really difficult and then I had two days where I had nothing but coffee and some fags right that's never very and healthy, I just sat in and, and wrote a play called 15 minutes with you oh which I've seen and then and then uh, I gave it to my friend to read my friend Ali Dunican who, who worked Oh, I think she still might be working with quarantine. Right. Uh, and she works with the plank. Um, at the time, we were students. Or she'd just finished her degree at Manchester. And I'd spelt there wrong all the way through it. No, <laughs> well, it doesn't matter, there. does it? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wrong <laughs> all the way through it. Yeah. But it was still a really good play. I was really pleased with it. I was really pleased with what I'd done just, yeah. just off the cuff, just like that. I'd wrote it. I remember a very strong. explicit yeah. um, description of blow, a blowjob in that play. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I saucy. thought to myself, I, I'd come to, I've been sort of coming to terms with the fact that it was difficult for a woman to make a man laugh. It was right. easier to give a man an erection than it was to make them laugh. Oh, right, okay, that's interesting. So I wrote one that I knew was going to give people erections it was all, <laughs> quite funny at the end <laughs> it was very dark play that wasn't it but it was funny as well well i think but, it, um, yeah, that was what i did so the version I saw was the one with stella grundy and neil bell in it um yeah. was that the first ever yeah. version 
Was that the first film? No, that was the second film. Oh, right, okay. I can't remember one of the actors' names. All right, well, let's skirt around that then, just one in was, case they're listening. <laughs> one was Ruth Pennicate, and she was a friend of mine at unit. Yeah. And the other lad, I want to say was called Mark. He worked for me, Mum and Dad, and I'm, I'm really upset that I don't remember his name, and I'm sorry <laughs> if he's listening, because I, do, I remember him, and I remember, you remember everything about yeah. it. And he was an actor, and he worked for me, Mum and Dad, in their pub as well, and he was right. a brilliant actor. I hope he's still acting. I think he went into comedy, actually. Oh right. Well, I mean, um, I think there's... and it's not—it's not that I don't know him well that I've forgotten his name. Yeah, yeah. It's just that I've randomly forgotten his name. I'm always doing it. I'm yeah. terrible at parties, actually. You know, when when we get introduced <laughs> to people, and it's like, oh, um, and you forget the name, and it's and it's really embarrassing. But you know so... him it really well as well. I know. Yeah, oh, yeah. Some, yeah. But I know. it won't come to me now. It might do at the end. Don't think about it too much, um, and then it'll come to you by the end of it. So, so I, I, remember... I, I wrote that for my dissertation then. Right. Because I mean, because that's great. I'll make this work for my dissertation, and then I did loads of drafts after that at uni, but not that many, probably three. Yeah. So, so I mean, that's I mean that because that 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 as a play is um, it kind of really uh, I, I remember going to see that, and I think it was that play that I saw um, at Studio Salford when it was on at Studio Salford with Stella and Neil in it. And I remember, I think it was it was going to see that play, and then I went home and wrote. It, me and Andrew went to see it. I'd only just been seeing Andrew for. You what, very, wrote Game of Two Halves. I wrote, wrote Game of Two Halves that night, because yeah, after going to see Fifteen night. Minutes of You, because I remember I just um, it, you know at, at Fifteen Minutes of You um, is just, I think the, the, if we just kind of just briefly describe the setup, it's it's a it's a, what's the girl's name? Um, I can't remember. I can tell all names. Can't even remember. Well, the girl. Let's just call her the girl. So she. She's I don't ba- remember off by heart. It was like. I know I'm terrible as well. Don't don't worry about it. It doesn't matter. But the but the female character has basically invited this guy. He's called Andrew. I remember because she she says oh well, you, yeah you're, he's so, called Andrew yeah because I remember yeah. her saying something like what you don't you, you your mate calls you Andrew that's a bit gay or Jane. something is it yeah uh, was it Jane was it Jane. I think it was Jane. Let's go with Jane. That, that's that. That works. Yeah. But so basically, so, so she's kind of um, invited him back after a, after a night out or something. She, she, she goes back to his for a one night stand. That yeah. Is, is flat. And then flat in <laughs> there's a hilarious final scene where we realise that it didn't go as 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 as, as it could have done um, for the chap. It was. <laughs> yeah. So. But I mean, but it's it's really dialogue driven, isn't and it? It's, and it's really funny. Yeah, just... it's, it's it's incredibly dialogue driven. Yeah, it's just conversation, and it, it's almost real time, apart from one scene. Oh, that scene even could be still real time. I think we played songs over that. But I mean, um, yeah, but the... and they're quite drunk and they sober up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, he's, he's, he he sobers end. up quite quickly, as I recall. Um, yeah. So yeah, so that I mean, so that is a that is a play. Um, is a really good example of it because it's all in one location. It's all kind of just one kind of drunken night and the aftermath of it. And so I think yeah. I remember what I think, you know, we were all in our twenties at the time. This is depressing, isn't it? And, and, and we, yeah. um, you know, and it kind of really spoke to me at, the, at that stage. I think it kind of, you know, I think it was really funny and the characters were really believable and it, you know, and obviously Stella and Neil, I think they were seeing each other at the time as well, weren't they? So there was that kind of extra by, little bit. By the end of it, it was. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, um... Mainly what we used to do is, because I was directing that as well, but I didn't know how to direct really. So I'd, I'd just stop them in the middle of things and go, can we do it like this? Yeah. Or can you do it like that and get up and do it? And you never really do that as a uh, director. Oh, I don't know. I don't know. I think that's also, pretty common, isn't it? <laughs> at the time, 
you could still smoke upstairs. Yeah, and that's smoking. right, yeah. And then we had to have wine in it. So not, none of, well, them two probably knew better, but they didn't care. Because <laughs> they, we were just having such a good time. Yeah, yeah. And we just get loads of wine and go, well, you've got wine in it, so we may as well. I mean, it's two bottles, so <laughs> probably a five or something. Yeah, yeah. So we were just all... I remember. I, well, yeah, I, I remember Je Jenny Williams um, being in um, plus one of one of my plays, plus one, and yeah, plus um, one, yeah. and she was supposed to be playing a, a kind of a, a total lush, um, and um, and we I'd bought her apple juice because you know she was supposed to be drinking wine all the way through it, and then on the last night I discovered she was arsehole every night because she drank a fucking <laughs> she drank a fucking bottle of wine on stage every night. But um, <laughs> it kind of helped. Well, that's what we did. That's yeah, what yeah, they did. Yeah. And, and even when we did paper buys, Neil had a, a pint of Guinness. Well, yeah, I think it that it, it kind of you know I think theatre can feel very stuffy at times, can't it? And and actually, it doesn't have to doesn't have to at all, does it? And one of the things that felt oh, really it went really well. Well, one of the yeah, <laughs> no, exactly. And one of the things that felt really refreshing about Studio Salford and what. What I, what the reason why I wanted to get involved with Studio Salford when it, when I first started seeing stuff there is because you know you turned up you could take a drink in um, and you know it was just it was really unintimidating and the work was brilliant you know there was there was your work there was um, work of um, of all the other um, theatre companies and I think it was just really inspiring to kind of just turn up and you didn't have to wear a suit and you know and and. And I've got this secret concern that um, to, for a play to become considered classic, it has to be a little bit boring. Um, you know, I think quite a lot of kind of great plays are a little bit boring at times. There you go, I've, I've kind of said it out loud. But, um, but you know, the, the well, plays... I, the play, this, Mike. Uh, go on. I was just going to say, the plays, that, uh, at, the, you know, the plays that we were seeing at Studio Salford, I mean, yeah, some of them were a bit boring, but most of them were were just really exciting and it was and it was it was about us you know it was about our you know our gang i suppose and maybe that's a terrible thing to admit but you know it it felt kind of kind of quite um from a reflective perspective it felt quite um uh quite exciting to be represented on the stage when when you know the other the big the big theaters yeah. just weren't doing that it was, and people should still do that. They should go and take out. I hope they do. Yeah. And just, um, I don't know. J Jimmy was so hands on with it, and so yeah. it can shoot for one person to start something like that off. It's got to be all consuming, which it was for him. Yeah. yeah. And he was very passionate about it because that's all all you've got. But actually, that's what people love. The thing is. I'm not interested in making a masterpiece. I wouldn't even know how to go about making a classic. I was just interested in making some stories that I thought was good yeah. um, to play around with. And when when nobody's giving you any money and you're not fitting a criteria, you can just get leathered and pretend to be a director. <laughs> <laughs> and, yeah. and then pull something out of the bag. Yeah. And it was, it was just, it was quite rock and roll really, wasn't it? Yeah. I think so. It Quite was. Right it was a well. yeah. It was brilliant. And yeah. You know, and and but and I think what's really exciting with the Greater Manchester Fringe Festival is that mm. um, is that actually it feels like that um, spirit of, of Studio Salford feels like it's kind of you know especially at the last um, Fringe opening we had we had a kind of a Fringe kind of opening evening 
and that sounds like school, didn't it? Open even. But we had this this kind of fringe launch party, and um, and you know because I'm involved in the on the committee of the of the fringe, and I, I we and you know we were like, oh my god, we don't really know that many people here, and it was all yeah. and, and which was brilliant because it meant it meant that um, it wasn't just our mates putting plays on. It was people who, you know, yeah. who, who were kind of starting from, um, you know, starting from nowhere and kind of bringing their really exciting work. Um, and, you know, and, and a lot of the work that, that gets put on over the fringe, I, you know, I mean, the fringe is where the tomorrow's um, Ibsen's are, isn't it? You know, that, it's where, you know, the, the fringe is where all of the exciting stuff happens, isn't it? And 24-7. 24-7, of course, yeah. 24-7 and, and yeah. that started by passion and and GM fringe as well it's just about people's passion yeah definitely isn't it? definitely and if I'm if I want, want to go and see um say if I want to go and see the sleeve with mods I'm not interested in what what the background is in music I'm not interested in how much they've studied before yeah. and how good they are at this that and the other I'm interested in A seeing them out. and a raw performance of what they have got to show the world yeah. as well as Next minute, I might be going to see Slava's Snow Show. <laughs> Which but I've seen, is it's very it's, good. It's really isn't it? <laughs> absolutely, yeah, mm. absolutely. I mean, I, I went, I'm quite a big fan of the ballet as well, actually, because it's a really different storytelling yeah. medium where, you know, I mean, there's a lot of dancing, isn't there? But, I mean, I suppose that's mm. the point, isn't it? But, um, yeah. but you know, um, I think Matthew Bourne, um, have you seen any Matthew Bourne um, ballets? We saw the, the, the Swan Lake... Um, you know his version of Swan I've seen Lake. Bits of it on YouTube. Yeah, I mean it's just beautiful. It's I mean that mm. I've seen quite a few Matthew Bournes actually, and you know as a theatrical experience, it's amazing because it's colourful, it's funny. You know, it's genuinely funny. You know, you do, you do laugh um, throughout it, and you know, and and the story is that you know it's just a very different pace of storytelling, isn't it? It's a you know it's a it's yeah. a really great medium. So just. Um, what would I think you... it should be room for everything. That's what I'd say. Absolutely, new writers yeah. and everything of of the way I do things very different in very different circumstances and for different reasons. But at the end of the day, that's just to tell a story. Yeah. And I, I get to do really great work. I've done amazing work for Take Back Theatre. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, and um, and you you don't have long to write it, and so you. Um, because they don't want to take up people's time too mm. much, so you put something out there and they get it on. And so take that. That's know, the thing with Julie Hesman House, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So you've got ten, sometimes five minutes to write a piece. Yeah. yeah. Oh, really? And uh, wow, that's great. Might, yeah. No, sorry, you don't oh. have five minutes to write a piece. I was going to say, blimey, that's <laughs> you have a five-minute piece. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. 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 But then when we wrote the one-minute pieces for the Manchester project for Monkeywood. We had an hour. We went in there with our notes and we wrote for an hour wow. about our places and then they were one minute long. Wow. And that that's the kind of thing I love. Yeah. Just being able to do things like that. And so do, do you feel like do, doing things just for fun. So do you kind of feel like you work from a spark of inspiration and then you just go on your instinct? So you don't mm. plan things out, you just see where it goes? Sometimes I'll, I'll plan things out. Because when when I wrote the bubbler, I really wanted to, like me and Jimmy were in ours, watching everything unfold about the Manchester riots and yeah. the complete vitriol towards young people mm. at the time. 
and who were called hoodies at the time, yeah. a certain height of person, so they thought, just for wearing a certain type of regalia. So that was about and 2012, was it? Really was it? Yeah. 2012, yeah, and it was so bitter. Yeah. I just thought, I want to write a story about a really bitter man. And you did. Uh, <laughs> have it in for everybody, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Um, and then, so I based that on Paradise Lost then, because I was thinking about Satan. That was the first time Satan was personified in Milton's Paradise Lost. Right. And I wanted to personify Satan. Right, and true okay. to form, everybody loved him. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, he was, he was, a, very, you know, he was a kind of a hugely engaging ranting lunatic wasn't he he was like yeah. <laughs> you know he was uh and you know and neil bell played him as well didn't he so neil, neil yeah. bell's been in lots of you know he's been in loads of he, he was in dead man's shoes he's been in lots of films hasn't he? he's been in lots of loads of tv he's been in the the peaky blinders and all sorts of things hasn't he and and he's i think he's worked yeah. with victoria wood as well hasn't he which is exciting um yeah and he's in the new peter lee film as well of course yeah there's quite an amazing career and daniel street brown another actor who's um yeah he was the, been acting since he was a child and he was the he barman was wasn't gonna he? Be the everyman he was supposed to be us really right. he was supposed to be everybody else but then you sort of it was interesting what what different audiences pick up on but i think it's your job just to write the story that you want and try your best yeah to write the story that you want and then start compromising when you need to for funding reasons yeah, yeah. or for certain reasons and certain audiences that they that they know that a regular audience is and for good reasons a lot of the time you know if it's a young audience you write him for them in a particular way or yeah you know if it just depends then um but to try and stick to the story that you wanted to tell yeah i think is important so you you starred in the original production of Beautiful House, didn't you? Um, yeah. What would it do? What would it take to get you back on stage? Because you were brilliant in that. Um, you know, I think you kind of you've got a really natural um, performance style, and and it was a, it was a really great play. And you, you were it was you and Jimmy were a, a couple, weren't you? We were, but to be fair, I think Sally did a better job than I did. <laughs> Well, I suppose she you just know, brought something different to it, didn't she? I mean, she was. I mean, what's Sally's surname? She, it's, um, Carmen. Sally Carmen, yeah. So she was in Shameless, and and she's been in loads of stuff, hasn't she? Um, she's in Corrie now. She's in Corrie, yeah. So um, doing a fabulous job. But you, but when See, you, you, I mean, you were really good in that. So what, what, what made you perform in it, and what made you, what, what's kind of, what, why haven't you performed then? You know, since then. Because Jimmy said he wouldn't do it unless I was in it. <laughs> That's why I did it. Oh, right, okay. And it was too much work. You've got to pick this up, put it there. <laughs> you know, put that down there. Then put your coat on and put your bag down. Yeah. It was too much. I, I think what it would probably take is a knock to the head. <laughs> and we need to forget what a nightmare that is. It's fun um, though, isn't it? It's better to watch your work than to be in it. Yeah, I can imagine because you don't get, you never get the opportunity to just sit back and just enjoy it, do you? I suppose if you're in it. No. But um, but... I, I just love watching it. I thought they did a great job. Yeah. I thought it was fantastic. Oh yeah, it was, I just the, the, watching the, it. The, the production was great uh, when when it was on the library, but it was but there was something really special about it when you were in it because it was your words and you were um, and and you'd kind of 
worked at because because the, the character was had worked at Manchester Museum, didn't she? And she she was obsessed with, um, yeah, with kind of uh, the ancient Egyptians, wasn't she? Yeah. And so there was something of yeah. you in that as well, wasn't there? Because you've worked at Manchester Museum and stuff, wasn't? I mean, well, I'd worked there, so I knew I'd worked there with Julia Nelson on huge projects that took quite a few years really as it was rolling on and um and she had an office in there and i she she was directing and running this amazing um abolition of the slave trade project for aim higher and so i'd spent a lot of time around there but i spent a lot of time in the museum with my dad oh, and right, okay. I think what i just thought about when i was writing beautiful house is that things survive people yeah you know artifacts and things survive people and i always think and i put it in poems a lot that the vase survives when the flowers have died mm. oh, you know nice, and, yeah. and i was upset that my dad's camping battery when i went camping with my dad's camping um light camp yeah. light battery was still working after my dad had oh, died wow, yeah. and it's things like you know is is that important that the things are the things more important, like the house and yeah. the yeah. trinkets and everything. It's like today I was saying to Hazel, I'm going to throw away all my ornaments. Hmm. And she went, you won't want to do that in the end. I went, yeah, well, I'm going to box them all up. I'm not going to throw them away. I'll take them to Emmaus. Yeah. I'll see if anyone wants them. And she went, right, well, why don't you think about that for a week or so <laughs> and then decide? <laughs> Yeah. Although maybe I mean, the thing is, I'm terrible at throwing anything out. I I, I kind of gain attachments to um, to boxes and stuff like that. You know, I, I haven't really grown up since I was about three, really. And so, I, so I know, so I know exactly what you mean. And I, and actually, I think the um, you shouldn't you, you should just throw it away straight away. Otherwise, you'll change your mind. But then don't do that just because I've said it, because then you'll probably do it and you'll really regret it and you'll hate me forever. So, <laughs> so. Um, well, I'm going to box a lot of them up. Yeah. Like bowls that have like a safety pin and some blue tack and a stone. <laughs> well, yeah, I maybe, yeah, maybe. Things. Yeah, I suppose those are the things. I mean, but I, I think it's really interesting, isn't it? The, the thing that you say about the things um, kind of, you know, kind of. Um, surviving the person because i remember they, well i remember in beautiful house there was that brilliant scene where i can't remember the, the character name but david slack was playing it and he was um after the daughter had died he was sniffing the um the the, the sofa because he could he thought he could smell his um his daughter on it which was yeah. really which was really really moving which kind of um really reminded me of something that happened when my grand died but then the brilliant punchline was that she never sat in that sofa and she she was sniffing the husband he was sniffing the husband's balls on the um on the sofa yeah where he scratched his balls <laughs> and he hated him as well i know yeah yeah so him as well. but that because i yeah. remember when my grand died my spanish grandma and um and she and we flew out to Spain and I hadn't seen her for years so I you know because they lived in, live in Spain and you know terrible you know ex I've got no excuse for it really but you know I feel bad because you know I should have should be spending more time out there or whatever but anyway so she so when she died um, we went out there and there was the funeral and it was all kind of really busy and everyone was kind of just getting things done and all that kind of stuff and then we went back to the house afterwards and um, and then. Um, 
we got back to the house and I sat on the sofa and then I saw my grand's um, apron thing, you know, the thing that she would wear when she was doing the housework or whatever. A bit like a tabard, yeah. I suppose. And I just remember looking at it and thinking, oh, my God. You know, that's my gran. Yeah. You know, and, yeah. and, and obviously it wasn't. It was a piece of material. But I totally get what you, what you mean about... Um, mm-hmm. And I think that really, I think that as a as a theme really came through in Beautiful House, which I think, although Beautiful House was a really lovely comedy, I think it does have that heart, and I think that's your that's what your work is. You know, I think your work, I think you're quite um, modest about your work. I think you're quite, um, you know, you don't your work is full of heart and um, oh, and right. well, you know, I'm not I'm not be, I'm not blowing smoke up your ass. This is genuinely what I think. You know, I think it is full of heart and it's always funny, um, but it's always funny in the most inappropriate places. Do you know what I mean? It's, it's so you laugh and then think, oh God, I shouldn't have laughed at that because that's kind of you know. But that I think that's always the best laugh. I think that's the best laugh yeah. when, you, when you know when when you laugh and you and it's bittersweet. And I think you I think you've got that to a T actually. So. Um, so do you have that, that's what I like doing things to turn on a coin from one to the other because yeah. I, I think when you make people laugh um, it's not that far away from crying no absolutely yeah. so if you go to something straight away that's really moving then they can easily find that emotion yeah. and the other way around if they're full of emotion through something and you take them on that journey mm. if you throw something in there that dismisses that or you know is draws attention to something else so quickly then they they, they will easily laugh yeah i find well an audience wants it's to like laugh when you laugh and laugh and laugh until you start crying isn't it yeah. my sister used to do that all the so time close. used to freak me out <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know she would kind of be in hysterics and then she'd be hysterically crying and it would be like, oh <laughs> awkward but <laughs> but she doesn't well, do that I, if I start laughing too much about something, that starts to scare Carl. <laughs> if I start laughing and laughing, and then and then I'll I'll rest for a few minutes, yeah. and then I'll set off laughing about it again. Yeah. And then leave it for a bit, and then set off again. He starts to get a bit worried. <laughs> Brilliant. Um, so, um, so we'll, I guess we're kind of getting towards the end. Unfortunately, it's been lovely to speak to you. I've got a couple of questions from from listeners. Is that all right? Can I just pass these yeah. on? So, Len Evans is one of the. He's doing um, the right one of the right for the stage courses. He's doing the progressing course, but he's done the intro and the advanced course beforehand. And he's seen some of your work at twenty four seven. So he's a bit of a fan actually. So he's quite excited when I said that I was going to be interviewing you. But the the the, the question that he had was um, how many years, and I don't know if, how you're going to answer this, because I know that you're probably going to, uh, anyway, I'm, I'm not, I won't preempt it. <laughs> how, how many years were you writing plays before you, fir- before you thought that you'd written a good one? Or did it come naturally, and were you happy with your first efforts? Uh, how many years before I thought I'd wrote a good one? Well, <laughs> I, um, I, I think... Um, Recently on, on the British Library, because I, I was looking at it because I wanted to do a PhD, but I haven't really found the right question yeah. that I want to answer, etc. Yeah. Um, I was looking at uh, Sheila Delaney's letter uh, to John Littlewood that was with her script. And she said, you might think, I'm going to paraphrase, yeah, but yeah, if you yeah, have a yeah. look online, it's, um, it's like, you, you might think, that what I've done isn't very good and doesn't look like a 
play, but I think it's fantastic because I've wrote it and I can't believe I've wrote it. Who's that, Sheila so, Delaney saying that? Yeah. So the reason why I'm saying that is <laughs> because to justify the fact that mostly when I show anyone what I've done, I'm just so excited that I've actually been able to write anything at all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And even sometimes when I think, oh, I'll never be able to write again, and I'm always dramatically saying, oh, I'm not doing this again. Yeah, um, we all say Because I'm really passionate about it. I'm yeah. really passionate yeah, 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 about yeah, no, it. Yeah. And mostly, even when I wrote 15 Minutes a Year, I probably bored everybody I know with it by phoning them up and telling them what lines I had in it. Because <laughs> I really thought it was great. Yeah. So I've always thought... Oh, right, okay, that's I've good. Done, it's great. Yeah, good, good. <laughs> But I mean, you know, um, but it's really important. It doesn't mean to... it is, but I have thought that. Yeah. Well, uh, and probably if Ben, Ben should be all right in thinking that as well. Yeah, absolutely. Like ben, you should just—you totally have permission to just think what I've done is really good, and I'm yeah. so proud of myself. I can't believe I've done that. I agree. I hope everyone's yeah. going to like it. Yeah, I totally agree, and I, and I think that um, you know we wouldn't present it unless we thought it was good. You know, you wouldn't yeah. you wouldn't let a bunch of people stand in, in you know, on the stage and, and say your words if you if you thought it was a bunch, if you thought it was rubbish. Um, yeah. So yeah, if, so that's, if you that's wrote a great a song, question. If you were a musician and you were, wrote a song, you wouldn't go, "Here's a song I've done. I don't know. I don't. It's not very good." Oh, I don't know. I always I'm constantly doing that. <laughs> <laughs> well, don't. <laughs> well, yeah, but yeah, but um, I suppose I suppose it's that. <clears throat> As a songwriter, I'm not as confident as I used to be. As a playwright, I feel like I'm much more confident because I'm more practiced yeah. in it now, and I'm, I've kind of been out of play songwriting for a long time. Okay, great. So that, that's a lovely. I think that's a really, um, a really nice, inspiring answer, actually. Um, so I've got another question from Richard Stringer. I think you know Richard, do you? Do you know Richard? He's been around twenty four seven a lot. Yeah. Yeah. So. Um, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, yeah. Richard. So Richard said, um, when you're editing a scene and reading it back and you find there's a slight difference in tone to what you um, had compared to the rest of the scene, do you find it easier to mix the new tone in with the rest of the scene, provided it has the same outcome of the story and the journey of the characters, or to look for a new edit that's closer to the tone of the original? Um... Uh, it might go, it depends what the story was and why and what scene it was really. Yeah. If it's a scene that, that the tone's very important, then you would have to change it. And if it if it was a great line that you were reluctant to lose, you just shelf it and use it for something else. Yeah. I suppose sometimes a, a change of tone might be important anyway. It can help, um, can't it? I quite mean... often, yeah. If you make a mistake, you have to go back. Yeah. Sometimes four or five scenes to get that right. I mean, and it might be a small change in dialogue. But it could just be a know. single word, couldn't it? Yeah. I mean, because because what I do is um, I when when I'm writing, I <clears throat> every every time I'm kind of making any major changes to it, even just changing a couple of words or whatever, I I save the file as a different. Usually, I usually use the date. So, um, so I'll save it before I do all the changes, so that if mm -hmm. I kind of do loads of editing and then I just kind of realise that I've completely balls it up and it's, and I've lost the thread of it and I've lost the uh, initial feel for what I was trying to achieve, I can always go back to it. Mm -hmm. um, so I think that's yeah. So, so just 
be brave enough to change things, I think. Yeah. And also never keep things just because it's a great joke, because yeah. that great joke might ruin the rest of the play. Yeah. And that's one thing that I've learned. Yeah, I think that's... But usually yeah. work up to a big punchline with things, so mm. that can be difficult, but you're serving a bigger story. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Than just your one great joke, can't you, as well, or your one great emotional bit. Well, yeah, and, and actually, I think the the most interesting thing with um, with theatre plays is that um, is it's, it's about the emotion behind it. You know, it can be funny and everything, but it's got a bit. There's got to be some reason. There's got to be some kind of pathos behind it, hasn't there? That, that yeah. you can kind of relate to. And I think again, your work is kind of rammed full of pathos. You know, you've got. There's always something about the character that kind of makes you empathise with them. You know, I'm thinking moving moving pictures. Um, that Denise yeah. Hope and who was and and Sue Wormsley. So 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 they, yeah. that was a show they had on twenty four seven, wasn't it? And, yeah. um, and I think twenty four seven launched me as a professional writer. Definitely. Yeah, I would agree. Actually, I think that that, 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 that was, was a big a turning point. Wasn't I was it? always grateful to them, and I really think that it was an amazing thing that they did. I think David Slack, Amanda, they just worked, you know, and Kath. And yeah. Steve and even Ian, Ian and all the readers and everything work towards presenting a really great, a really great, um, an eclectic uh, festival. Yeah, definitely. But I know GM fringes right now. Yeah, I mean, yeah, so so just just as a bit of background for people who don't know about Twenty Four Seven, Twenty Four Seven was a a, a yearly um, festival of of brand new writing. So they usually presented. I think the original idea was that they were going to present 24 shows over seven days, but then they realised that that yeah. was probably a bit ambitious. So I think they, they kind of... Um, it, it ran, how, was it, was it, how many years did it run for? Was it, about, it was about 12, was it, or something like that? 12, 13 years or something? But, 2004. Uh, 2004 until maybe... When was last year? 2016. So about 12 years... I'm, I'm going to look it up on, online um, whilst we're speaking. But So, I think, yeah, so it was about... Um, 12 um i'm t typing and talking at the same time uh, it was about tw <laughs> 2000 and, um let's have a look i'm on on two th uh, ooh, two, uh, launched 2004 um until 2016 so um so mm -hmm. what's that oh christ my mind 12 years 12 yeah. years yeah so um so it was on every year for for 12 years and lots of writers you know because i had some stuff on it i had a couple of plays on it at 24 7 i directed a lot of plays yeah. you had plays yeah. on at 24 7 ian town you know a lot of people had work on at 24 7 that, that really went on to kind of some really impressive things didn't it yeah yeah it was good for actors writers directors yeah, it was, and it was always a good but it was a writer focused thing it really was and it, it was, was a great party wasn't it first. It, yeah. it was always a good. There was always a good piss up involved in um, twenty four seven. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Always a really good. Yeah, or otherwise, party. I won't be involved. I know. Yeah, exactly. Same here. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so um, so just one last question, and this is probably quite a big question, but um, I won't hold you for very much longer because I realise you're. Oh, oh, I think we've lost. We've lost her. I'm just going to try and ring, her, ring Kathy back. So the question I've got is, what is your process from the point of inspiration to getting the words on the page and then getting it off the page and onto the stage? When it's just me personally, yeah. when I'm writing on my own, yeah. the first process that I'll do is I'll have this idea 
and I'll I'll definitely have characters. I never have a story. Oh right, I'll so you start characters. from characters, right? Okay, and I'll start writing dialogue that they would want to say between them. Great. And then I'll I'll think about what where that could go, and maybe I'll approach people, um, or maybe I'll go for funding, or I'll I'll work out what would take this further. Yeah. And what could get me onto the stage? So when you say you go and look for people, do you mean you you go and find some actors to read it so you can hear it, or what do you mean by? Is it? Do, do... I would do that initially. Yeah. Uh, it, it, not of the first step, but the getting the actors to do it and to hear it. That would be when I was researching development with the piece. Yeah. But the depending on how I was doing it, that's what that's what I would do. Yeah. So I might show it to some people and say, what do you think about this initially? Or sometimes what I'll do is I'll think, actually, I don't want to be put off this. I'm going to keep it to myself, tell no one, keep working on it, and then approach people when I feel confident that I've got the full story in my head. Yeah. So then I'll, I'll start planning it out, how it could work, without setting myself too much, many promises. Yeah. Uh, that I have to keep with it. So, um, so Sarah, and Sarah, then after that, go on. I was going to say, uh, well, no, you, you you carry on, sorry. So that, that that would be the first process, but the very first thing would be starting to write notes down. So a notepad, yeah, starting to write notes down, snippets of dialogue, bits that could work as a story, little bits. I won't form a full story. Yeah. I'll work on it from there. And then one day I'll do a couple of hours of writing. I won't even write the names in. I'll just do dashes and I'll, yeah. I'll let the dialogue flow and look, look what that looks like. And yeah. from that, I'll start to see story develop. Right, great. And what would be interesting to work. So that's, so that's one way that I would do it. And then I would see what it would be. So if it was a small piece, I would think, well, maybe I'll say that if anything comes up that it's fitting. Yeah. If it was a bigger piece, I would think, well, is this something that's fundable? Is this something people will be interested in yeah. for, you know, for, for a certain theatre or for a certain stage? And then I would, would probably say, look, I'm working on this piece. Can I talk to you about it? Yeah. Um, and then see, and then after that, there's going to come a stage where, say, hopefully after that, we'll get some funding to start writing the first drafts and work on that and then work on that with the um hopefully a company or a, a director even in the early stages of r d right and then see what we'd want from it further and then at some point when i've done all the drafts i'd like to go to a rehearsed reading and see what else is going to change from that yeah and then after that goodbye Oh, then you just let See go you of it. You on the press night. Right. Oh, right. Okay. <laughs> That's great. We've got to rehearsals, but I'm just mainly just like chatting and getting <laughs> in the way. So I'm just mostly chatting and yeah, just yeah. thinking everything's great. It's, it's unusual for me to think, oh, well, I don't think we should do it like yeah, that yeah, or something yeah. like that because you've got to pass it over. So Definitely, yeah. But, but you have an opportunity. You can go to Reedstream. You can go to... Make sure you can go if if you need to go. That it's totally allowed for you to be there. Yeah. Um, and I would also say never tell the actors how to act your piece. Mm. Or well, I suppose you may that's as up well to the director. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's up. So, so, so do you mean on the? Say, 
Do you mean in the text? Do you mean like kind of when you write it, you shouldn't be put in like kind of um, angrily or whatever, you know, in parenthesis well, what, or whatever, or, you know, the stage directions? Or do you mean like kind of if you sit in a rehearsal? What do you do with stage directions? That's up to you and your style. Yeah. I like to do huge character descriptions so that I'll try and set out as much as I want to there yeah. and then leave everything else to develop. Um, but what I mean is if, if you were going to rehearsals... I wouldn't go and my actors in their ear and say, oh, right, okay, yeah. really do it like this? I'm not happy with them doing that because actors have told me before about that and yeah, it's yeah, really yeah, difficult bad, because it, yeah. they're learning the script, they're being directed by somebody and then the writer's directing them after yeah, the show. Yeah, that's terrible, yeah. It's really difficult. So yeah, it should, that should never it. happen, that, yeah. Okay, so um, so Sarah Cassidy asked a question a while ago about um, about how to develop a character. So do you so So do you hear their voice first? Or what, what, when, you're... when I develop a character, yeah. I'll do a huge backstory to them and what I think is important for that character. So you, so you, do, when I... so you write a kind of a like a bit of prose or whatever, and you kind of find out about them from their from their background or whatever. Yeah, I'll write the character description. I'll write a huge amount of what they are. Yeah. And then as I'm doing that, that starts to flow into what they are. And, yeah. and from their backstory, kind of getting more about the character and why they do sort of things. But I, I will do that, not leave it for an actor to find. I'll give them the backstory. That's yeah. what I always intend so that there's never any mistakes. And then when, when you develop it in that way, it's better to get the voice in that way. But the way that I develop a character's dialogue is I won't... I won't have that on my shoulders when I'm writing it. I'll start to write their dialogue without any punctuation, without worrying about spelling or anything yeah, like yeah, that. Just get it and out. Just try to start messing about with the voices, yeah, yeah, and giving them a voice. And great. But I think it's huge backstory. Okay. Huge, yeah, yeah. Huge yeah. amount of backstory. Well, because the backstory informs the present, doesn't it? You know, it informs how yeah. you know how, how when someone walks into a room, they walk into a room with a, a, a certain kind of. Um, headspace because of where they've come from don't they you know they're walking yeah. into a room because of why you know because of everything that's happened in the past don't they yeah and, and typically in plays they'll walk into a room with all that backstory not counting on that day yeah because something different's happened now yeah that they, well, they haven't challenged them already, before yeah. great okay yeah. brilliant okay so kathy thank you so much for um, your time today, it's been really lovely to speak to you. Oh, thanks, um, Mike. Enjoyed that. Yeah, good. Thank you. And it's, I think it's always good to talk about your work, isn't it? Because um, yeah, because <laughs> it's, it's it's nice, isn't it? So, do you have anything to yeah. plug at the moment? Are you what what are you working on at the moment? Have you got anything coming up, or are you taking uh, time I'm, out, or what? At the at the moment, I'm I'm working with Manchester Uni students on Between the Lines, which is a big um, big production that's on. Um, this Friday starts at five. It's a free thing, so oh, you can right, go brilliant. to the Quad, Manchester Union. It's based on letters that they have in their archive from World War One from students who went to war. Oh, right, brilliant! Um, so there's me and there's uh, lots of other students. One of which is Martha. Um, Martha Simon. You know Martha Simon, yeah. who's worked. Oh, she's a great. Worked with before yeah. and. And she worked on 24-7 for a long time. She's a brilliant director and, you know, as well. She's a big deal and yeah. really great. So she's worked on Vice with them. Great. And um, so there's there's a few other tutors involved as well. And um, 
that's going to be this week. And then after that, I'm in development with the play. Um, well, at the minute, I know, the, the only thing I know for sure is that I'm in development with the, with the play. I can't say who right. yet, I don't okay. think. Yeah. It's only had a meeting yesterday. Oh, okay. Um, but it's going to be a play that I'm writing with my daughter, Hazel. Oh, right, wow. Yeah. Oh, wow, brilliant. That's exciting. That's going to be dark humour. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Because I mean, one of the things because we did. Do you remember the, um, the 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 new romantics thing we did when we were yeah you know, years and years and, and years ago? And but yeah, well, exactly because because I've seen you've been putting pictures of Low on um, and and Hazel on on Instagram, and I just and I, I haven't seen them for for years actually. And last time I saw them, they were um, bashing on a, on a CD case, pretending <laughs> to play your drums. Um, which was which was beautiful. So if yeah, anyone, actually, actually people now. I know, yeah, it's bonkers, isn't it? So if anyone ever yeah. gets a chance, they should they should check. Um, I, what, I don't know what I've called it. Let me have a look on um, on YouTube because this was new a the, the new romantic. So let me just see if how to find it because if you if you follow me on um, YouTube at Spycall, I think it is, or I think I don't know. Actually, that isn't the right thing at all. But um, let me see if it's on there. Because um, it was a, pl it was, it was very much of the. Um, I'll put it on Instagram. I'll it was link great, it. On wasn't it. it? Yeah, I'll link. It so, 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 yeah. My um, YouTube name is Spikel. So look, look for the new Romantics N U, and then Romantics has got um, an, an X at the end, and then you'll yeah, see yeah. Um, Kathy in a brilliant, um, brilliant, brilliant role as the as the, um, as the deluded drummer. Um, and that's the only thing we've wrote together, isn't it? I think it is that's actually the only thing we've wrote together. Yeah, yeah, yeah. we should do more because um, although that, that that was that was probably ten years ago, wasn't it? But uh, but that was all the old studio Salford gang. So it's I think it's um, definitely yeah. worth worth a watch. It's in two parts. I should try and put it back together again, really. But, um, <laughs> but yeah, so so you know because they were little kids then, and so that now they're adults. So it's um, it's all yeah. very exciting. So um, grown people now. I know, yeah. yeah. So, Kathy, if anyone wants to, um, do you do um, like Twitter or anything? Is it if people want to follow you on Twitter, is that possible? I'm or? on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. I don't do Facebook. Yeah. So. But I'm on Twitter and I'm on Instagram. So do you want to? Easy to find on Twitter. I've got. I'm pulling a tongue, but it's actually a big strawberry. <laughs> so what? What's your Twitter handle? What's is it at Kathy Crab? It's probably just Kathy Kathy Crab. I think yeah. Or okay. Kathy. One or the other. So I have a quick look. Um, so if people want to follow you, then um, then that that would always be nice. Let me see if I can find you. Um, at Kathy Crab, two B's. Yeah. Yeah. So at, at Kathy Crab. So yeah. So uh, oh yeah, I can see what you mean about the um, the big tongue. You, it's a strawberry yeah. in your mouth. It's, um, it's yeah. But it doesn't look like a huge tongue. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Okay, well, thank you so much, Kathy. It's been lovely to speak to you. Um, you too. Do you have any final advice for people who? Um, sorry, I keep on saying we'll, we'll go, and then then I keep on holding you. So I will let you go in a second. <laughs> but do you have any advice for, for for people who want who want who just want to start writing? What what would you say? Just say just don't try to write a masterpiece. Just try and write a play. Don't read loads and loads of books on how to write. Um, and put your own barriers in. Just write the story that you want to write, and that everyone else will decide 
if it's any good. Yeah, you just made me completely redundant, but I, I totally agree. <laughs> <laughs> no, you know what, you know what no, I, I mean, I, 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 to, I, no, I, I, don't, I absolutely I don't want to make myself redundant, Mike. I mean, <laughs> don't, don't constantly read books and sit yeah, at yeah, home. Yeah, yeah. No, absolutely. You've got to get work off the ground, and yes, you need to do that. And you but need to just this, do we're it, We're talking about yeah. the first stage, aren't we, Mike? Yeah, yeah, Way yeah, before yeah. that. So it's just... Right, don't try and write a masterpiece, just try and write a story. Yeah. That's really yeah. That's lovely advice, actually. I think that's um, because it's because I think it can be can be really intimidating, can't it? But it's just putting your words on the page, isn't it? And just and just the the sense will come later, won't it? Yeah. Great. Okay. Thank you so much, Kathy. I will. I'll definitely let you go now. So thanks for tuning into the Right for the Stage podcast. To find out more information about Right for the Stage, go to rightforthestage.co.uk or follow us on um, on Instagram and Twitter at Right for the Stage. But four is the number four um, for tw- Instagram and Twitter. Thank you very much. Thanks, Kathy. Bye. Bye. really help if you could give us a star rating on itunes and please let your friends know about the right for the stage podcast for more information about right for the stage our courses our publications productions and to read our blog go to the right for the thanks for listening